Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress.
today in worship. My name is Pastor Jessica. You guys can take your seats. I have the privilege of sharing the message with you guys today. I am one of our associate pastors here at City of Life. And as you have heard, we have some incredible um, special guests in our service. Thank you. I need that, Paige. Um, our students from City of Life Christian Academy are leading worship, mind-blowing worship, not just like, oh, that's cute. Uh, yeah, we're gonna give them a spot on stage and it's gonna be cute. No, it's gonna be powerful. It's gonna change lives. Let me tell you, that's what's happening. That's what's happening every week in their Kolka chapels. That's, that's crazy. That's just beautiful to me. And then of course, um, we're highlighting our School of Ministry program today, Nadiel, with the offering. And I just think there is such beauty in honoring the multi-generational church that we are here at City of Life. And so please go and get more information about City of Life Christian Academy in the foyer. Attend our open house for School of Ministry after second. It's going to be an incredible day. But let's go ahead and jump into the word this morning. My text scriptures found in Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20. And here we see Jesus is giving the great commission to his disciples. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're talking about generations today. We're talking about generational unity. And when I think about the Great Commission, there is one truth that stands out to me, and it is the fact that the Great Commission cannot be accomplished apart from generational unity. And if I had just one goal today, it would be that every person in this room would see the role that you play. It would be to know that you have value in your current season, to feel empowered to make a difference, and then to go and do something about it. Amen? The title of my message today is Play Your Part. Play Your Part. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for every person represented in this room from the littlest children, Lord, to the wisest of the wise. We thank you that you have a special place for us in your kingdom, not just in heaven, but here today on earth. Lord, would you awaken something in us if there has been a dormant part of our life, would you awaken that today, Lord? for your kingdom, because we love you, Lord. Build unity today in your church, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, we're talking about generations, and if you didn't already guess, I am a millennial. I know, you probably couldn't tell, right? Right? I keep saying, since I've turned 30, I always want people to guess my age so that I can feel younger. They're like, 30? I'm like, I know, right? Actually, 31. But after 30, I just, you know, it's all a blur. But who here is a millennial, fellow millennials? Yeah, represent. Okay, and can I just say, 
I'm sorry, Gen Z, y'all looking a little old. I mean, like, I'm like, hey, how are you? You're 30, right? He's like, I'm 18. I'm like, what? You're a little old looking. And I, I saw a theory on Instagram that said that the reason millennials stay looking so young is because we grew up on preservatives. So like, it's in our body. Like, my husband drinks so much Mountain Dew that he will live forever, you know? But Gen Z, you know, it's all organic. So you're aging, just saying. And then, of course, where are, um, let's see, Gen X? Okay. They're here. They are here. Early, of course. And the boomers. Boomers represent. Hello. Yes. I honor you. I fear you. I have nothing to say about you today except good things. You know, unity among generations is so interesting because outside of the church, you don't really see generations mingling all that much. Like, we're like very segregated, you know? And I'm sorry, I forgot to mention Gen Alpha. I don't think they know they're Gen Alpha, but they're here. They're here somewhere and they are coming. <laughs> But the, other, the only other place I've seen generations unite more than anywhere else, and Pastor Janice says this all the time, that pickleball brings together the generations. If you didn't know, pickleball is a beautiful sport that is taking America by storm. It's, in my opinion, better than tennis. It's like playing ping pong, but you're on top of the table. It's amazing. It's amazing, and you can get really good at it really fast. And so I've been playing pickleball about four times a week, and I play with some random people in St. Cloud, and can I tell you, when you get onto the pickleball court, age does not matter. Generations do not matter, because let me tell you, the other day I'm playing, and my partner, he's 70 years old, and I'm afraid of his serves, and we're playing against a 10-year-old boy. I promise you, this is not an exaggeration. A 10-year-old boy and then some 20-year-old. And literally, my partner and I, the 70-year-old, we look at each other and we're like, let's kill. <laughs> like, like, there is no age here. That 10-year-old is going down. And I respect him for it. And isn't that just exactly the picture of what God wants the Great Commission to be. To be where we get onto the battlefield of life together and we don't go, ah, I can't link arms with you, you're Gen Z, you know? But where we have mutual respect for one another, where we have trust for one another. And so the Great Commission, it takes unity. And a beautiful scripture, a story in the Bible that was highlighted to me that has generational unity all throughout it is found in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8 through 13. <clears throat> Here we see that Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt. The Israelites, they've seen plagues. They watched the Passover happen. They walked through the Red Sea as waters were parted. They navigated the wilderness and bread came from heaven. Moses hit a rock with his staff and water came out. So they're, they're seeing miracle after miracle. But then one day in the wilderness, they face an attack. There is a battle at hand now. And this is what the Bible says happens. The Amalekites came and they attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I, Moses, will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And then Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they had to take a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. 
Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So, this is interesting. Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Moses lifted up his staff. That represents a generation. Her and Aaron, they held up Moses' arms. That represents some generations. And then Joshua, he's in the valley fighting the battle, and that represents another generation. And it was only by the combination of all the generations working together that caused victory for Israel today. Are you following me? And I know we just called out all the different generations in the room, but for the sake of my teaching, I want to divide the room into two places. You're either part of the generations that are like Moses, Aaron, her. You're on top of the hill. You're on top of the mountain. And you have this bird's eye view. You've lived through some things. You've seen some things. And you're able to be on the mountaintop. And then there's another group of people in this room. The generations that are new, they're up and coming. They're a little younger. They're a little, you know, savvier in some ways. And they're on the battlefield. We have the generations on the mountain and we have the generations on the field. It's a different position, but it's the same commission. It's a different position. One is on the mountain. One is on the field. But let me tell you, it's one battle. It's one mission. And it's the great commission today. Amen. So what does the great commission require of us today? What does it require of all of us As believers, I believe it requires three things. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It requires, number one, active participation. Active participation. Number two, it requires a lifelong commitment. We're going to get into that in a second. And number three, it is a joint effort among generations. So it's active, it's lifelong, and it's a joint effort. And so number one, it's an active participation. You know, in the scripture, we see that there's one group that is hands-on, and there's another group that's hands-up. You know, today in the room, you're either hands-on, hands-up, but no one in the room is hands-off. Everyone in this room is required to participate in the Great Commission. Let me speak to the people who are on the mountain. First, Jesus says in Luke 9, 62, he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, you don't have the luxury, you know, to say, oh yeah, 10 years ago, I really committed my life to the Lord, but now in this season, uh, I'm a little hands-off with my faith. I'm hands-off. I've put in the time. I mean, Pastor Jess, I did ministry for years a long time ago, so now I get to be hands-up. No, no, no. If you're on the mountain, you are hands-up. If you are on the mountain today, if you resonate with those mountaintop generations You have a responsibility to be hands up. And what does that mean? Well, first of all, Moses, when he was hands up, it was hands up in intercession. He was praying and interceding for the generations on the battlefield. Some of you in this room have had a passive approach to your faith. Maybe you have felt benched in your faith. Let me tell you, that scripture is so clear. It says that the battle was won because Moses was on the mountain. Think about that. The battle was won because Moses prayed. I don't know about you. Maybe your theology is off. 
But prayer is important to God. Prayer matters to the Lord. Intercession is important to God. And maybe you have forsaken your prayer life because you're not, you're not tangibly doing something. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're actually contributing to the body of Christ because you're not physically doing something. Let me tell you, at City of Life, we don't have a prayer team because it's fun. We have a prayer team because it's necessary. You know, when we're leading up to Blink uh, season, we have prayer rallies every single week for a couple hours every Sunday. It's not, not because we're bored. It's because we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in what intercession can do for another generation. Are you praying today? You know, a beautiful example of this, of course, is Pastor Janice. Um, she's often texting me, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, hey, God just, you know, spoke to me in my time of prayer, and I'm praying for you about this need. You know, for someone who considers myself a bit on the front lines, I, I can't even begin to express what that means. It's not just something you just go, okay, cool, thank you. No, I cherish it because the prayer is powerful, amen? And then we have the frontline positions. And let me just say, there are not enough youth and young adults serving God today. You know, and let me just say, even adults, because Joshua, he was on the front line, and guys, he was 40. And some of y'all 40-year-olds are like, not my back. No, 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 I can't be in ministry. Joshua was 40 years old, and Moses was like, you are young. You are fit. You go on the battlefield and be on the front lines because you have energy. So just don't discount yourselves from being on the front lines of ministry. And young people, don't push it for another time in your life. I see that so often. Young people graduate high school and they go, I'll, I'll serve God in my 30s. Let me go to college first. Let me go and, you know, live my years as a young adult and have fun. You can have fun as a young adult and still serve God. You can have fun as a young adult and still be pure and holy and upstanding. And let me tell you, the church, the body of Christ needs young people. Listen, these events are grueling. We need some young men and young women to come and help us practically build the kingdom, to do things for the Lord that maybe other people can't do because they're married or because they have children or they have these huge responsibilities, but you get to. You get to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You know, I was um, our school of ministry director for a few years and you know, when I was talking to young adults, kind of contemplating, like, should I do school of ministry? I don't know. Should I go and do something else? And I always just said, you will never regret giving God a season of your life completely with no strings attached, everything on the table for the Lord. You'll never regret it. So if you in here are like, I don't know if I should go to open house just go, decide that you're gonna give God everything today. So again, we have someone who's on the mountain and someone who's on the field. It's a different position, but church, it's a same commission, amen? By the end of my message, I expect you to repeat that back to me, okay? <laughs> but number two, it is a lifelong commitment. It is a lifelong commitment. You know, I'm reading Matthew, and I'm reading Jesus's words, and I don't see a little addendum where Jesus goes, by the way, this is only for 18 to 33-year-olds. He doesn't say that. It is a commission for all of us, all of our lives, all of our years. You are called to this. You know, throughout your life, your marital status may change, your career may change. You might move. 
Your responsibilities will increase and decrease and fluctuate. But there is one thing that remains the same, and that is your calling. And some people get it twisted and think their vocation is their calling. But here in scripture, it says that your calling is to disciple the nations. That your calling is to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Your calling is to teach people God's commands. And that is a lifelong calling. And I love what Hannah Flippo was saying today in our exhortation moment. It was just like, wow, God, you just, same Holy Spirit. We didn't talk beforehand and, you know, for the mountaintop positions, we need banners of the faith. I think Moses holding up the staff, it wasn't like some superstitious thing. I, I don't know if maybe when people read that, they're like, knock on wood, we win the battle. Like Moses is lifting the staff as a reminder to the people on the battlefield. Because think about it. You're in the thick of battle. You're, you're fighting the enemy. It's grueling. And you look up and you see Moses with his hands lifted, this staff in his hand. And you go, oh yeah, that was the same staff that parted the Red Sea. We've got this. Oh yeah, that's the same staff. That water came from the rock. We've got this. That's the same staff that God rescued me out of my prison. It's the same staff, but I need a Moses to hold it up for me sometimes. I need a generation to say, hey, God's got this. He's got you. I know it feels like your life is ending with this season that you're in, but I've been through this and you're gonna be okay. And when I think about someone who's been that person for me, um, I think of Sully Sullivan. He was just, um, it's, I can't get into like the whole story of how we met, but just know we met at a McDonald's. <laughs> it's very random. But he was like a spiritual father to me. Um, and I, you know, the other day, I was just having a hard time walking through some things and I was walking um, here on church property, and I'll never forget before Sully passed, he pointed out the flowers that would grow on the bushes outside. And he's like, look, this is super special. It's really rare. These flowers only grow like one time a year and then they're gone. He's like, so every time you see it, like appreciate it. And so I'm walking past, you know, these bushes and I see the flowers and I just go, oh, okay, Sully, yes, thank you. And I was like, I wonder what Sully would say to me, you know, if I were telling him my issues and telling him my problems. And he'd be like, Jess, get over it. You know who God is. <laughs> he'd be like, Jess, I mean, wait a second. Let's remember for a moment what God has done in your life. You're Jess. And, and I just remember being like, yes, Lord, that's right. That's what he would say to me. And I just want to ask, where are the mothers and fathers in this congregation today? Where are you? Because there is a generation of young people. There is a generation of people on the field that need your voice. They need your voice. They need your reminders. They need to know that they're going to be okay because God made it okay in your life. Amen. And in the same way, this lifelong commitment is available to children and youth. And as a congregation, we have to get used to being okay, seeing children and youth use their gifts for God. There is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. We say that a lot here at City of Life. That the Holy Spirit is the same in a little child as he is in this incredible worship leader on stage. And let's be real, we need zeal on the front lines. Because some of us were tired, but when 
when, you know, think about after Soul Fire when Icon Youth storms the front of the room and you just feel infused with strength because they are zealous for God. They're hungry for the Lord. And, you know, at the same time, they minister to us as well. Again, I said it before, it's not cute to have a youth lead worship on stage. It's necessary. It's powerful. You know, I remember Mia was so, you know, spirit-led. After Soul Fire, she felt led to have a completely student-led service. And um, that week after Soul Fire, I had gotten, my husband and I had just gotten some really disappointing news in our fertility journey. And I remember asking Mia, like, okay, you don't need anything from me in service? She's like, no, the students got it. And I said, okay, cool, because I'm going to sit right here, and I'm not going to move. I'm just going to receive. And the second Zoe Smith started leading worship, it was the first time she'd ever sang, like, worship in that way. She sang, um, give me Jesus. And I am not ashamed to say that I wept. (laughs) just wept and wept my eyes out that entire service as Zoe led, as Sydney preached, as Jude preached. And it ministered hope to me. I I was proud of them, but I was so ministered to. Students, you are powerful. You have anointing on your life. You have the ability to minister to your parents to your teachers, to your classmates. You're on the front lines. It's a different position, everybody, and it's a same commission. We're gonna get there, okay. Wow, really thought we were gonna get there this time. (laughs) And again, number three, it's a joint effort. It's a joint effort among generations. You know, the battle of Israel, it it was fought by the unity of generations, and it was won by the unity of generations. But there has to be trust built among generations in order to even find unity. And let's be real, outside of pickleball and the church, it is very divisive among generations. It's a little nasty. There's a lot of finger pointing, a lot of animosity towards generations. It's like, but you created me. Why? You know, there's a lot of frustration. But I love here with the mountaintop position, you know, Joshua had such great respect for Moses because Moses took risks in his faith. And he modeled to Joshua the life that he was meant to live. He didn't point fingers and say, Joshua, gosh, why are you doing that? Why, why, you should know better. He, he, He modeled to him a way of living. And mountaintop people, we need leaders. We need leadership from you. We need modeling from you. And you know how that's happened? It's, it's, happened in shared experiences. Like, if I'm in the trenches, if I'm doing battle, and I look to my left and my right, and I see some people that are a little ahead of me, a little further along in their faith, but they're still here, it's so encouraging to my faith as a young person. So are you serving alongside the next generation today? Or are you criticizing them? Are you modeling what you want to see in the next generation or are you just pointing the finger at them? This is a convicting word, but I believe that it has the power to break something off of our lives today. Psalm 145.4 says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. That's beautiful. And you know, for me, I had the opportunity to get into ministry when I was like 20 years old. I consider working at City of Life Christian Academy full-time ministry because <laughs> it's not just a school. You are doing some spiritual warfare. 
in this Christian academy. And I remember being 20 years old and the first person that ever gave me an opportunity in ministry was Pastor Kathy. I love that I can see her right there in the back. And Pastor Kathy Harkema was our school principal for years at City of Life Christian Academy. And she retired and it's so beautiful to see that in this season, she's now our care counselor at our church. And for someone like me, who was not only given ministry opportunities by her, but now that I'm in full-time ministry, she's not like, oh, okay, Jess, you've got it. I, I'm gonna go. But no, she's in the battle with me. She is serving God alongside of me. And I have so much respect for you, Pastor Kathy. Seriously, it's a beautiful. And for the frontline people, the people on the field, this is a word that is not very popular in church anymore, but we need armor bearers. We need someone that is gonna lift up leadership's arms when they grow tired. We need armor bearers that are gonna serve leaders, that are gonna honor leadership. And, and if we're honest, maybe there's been a lot of disrespect from the younger generation in some ways. But where are the young people that are ready to honor those who have come before us? Where are the young people that are willing to sit and listen to stories and say, hey, I, I see you. You've been here a long time. Can you tell me some stories? I see you have that staff. Tell me, what did God do in your life when you were my age? How did you get through this? Because I'm in the thick of it and I don't know. We need to humble ourselves. First Peter 5, 5 says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And today, if you would just humble yourselves just a little bit, you maybe could receive something from someone who's a little further along than you. And I said it at the beginning of my message, but the most beautiful example of this in my life is my senior leadership. I get the privilege of getting to sit in some intimate meetings with our leaders, our senior pastors, and the way that they honor our founding pastors, it's, you'll never fully know. You will never know just how honoring they are, but you'll see it by their fruit. You see it in the church. This church is successful and it's beautiful and it's healthy because there is health in our leadership in this area. And that's something to be celebrated, honored, respected. Thank you for modeling that for us. And the band can come on up at this time if you want. But in John chapter 20, Jesus prays this beautiful scripture. Um, I'm sorry, this beautiful prayer to the Father. And when Jesus prays to the Father, you really want to pay attention. Because he's talking to us. It's like kind of like a subtweet. <laughs> he's like, Father, help them. <laughs> and they're like right there. But we need to listen to his words. It's in John chapter 20. And he says, and this is the message version. It reads really beautiful. I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me. Because of them, this is you, because of them and their witness about me, the goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. This is crazy. It says, The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are. I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved me in the same way. That you've loved them in the same way you've loved me. 
In other words, Jesus is saying that when generations come together in unity, it causes people to believe the promise of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Our unity is powerful. It causes faith to arise in people. I want to remind you of my goal at the beginning of this message. I want, to, I want you to see the role that you play. When you leave here today, see the role that you play in the Great Commission. To know that you have value in this current season of your life. To feel empowered to make a difference. And to do something about it. Can you imagine what our world would look like if we were unified? Can you imagine what the global church would look like if we were unified? Can you imagine what City of Life Church would look like if we were unified among generations? I don't have to imagine too hard because I see it in this room, I see it every blink season when we bring people together from all over. We have young people serving and leading. We have people of all generations. <clears throat> but there's something powerful. I believe that's available to all of us in the room today. It's, it feels different. I don't know about you, but it's like I, my mission was almost just to give you that extra push because I know the Lord has already been speaking to some of you. I know the Lord has been ministering to you and pushing you and prompting you to go a little further in your faith, to be obedient to his voice. So today I wanna pray for the two categories of people that I mentioned. But before I do, I just, I can't help but think about the loss that we have experienced as a church family. I know um, maybe some of you guys are a little newer to our church, but in the last three years, we've seen some massive giant pillars of our church family pass away. Pastor Sammy, Sully Sullivan, Kathy Schwartz, among others. But at the same time, it's strange, you know, our youth ministry has exploded to a degree we've never seen, tripled in numbers. And there is a, a wave of revival coming to our church family. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, we have a bittersweet responsibility to remember loss and to also celebrate and steward growth. To honor those who came before us and those who are coming in now. How? By faithfully keeping our hand to the plow of our calling. To make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them God's commands. It's us. It is us in this room. And my prayer is that this word would not fall on deaf ears, but that it would be a seed planted into your heart that would cause you to do something today, to make a decision today. And so first I wanna honor the people in the room that are the mountaintop generations. And I specifically didn't say what generation could fall under there because you could be a millennial and feel like, you know, I do feel like I'm on the mountaintop generation. And so if that is you today, would you please stand up? Mountaintop generations, just stand up in your seat. I know there's more of you. Yeah, there's more of you. <clears throat> beautiful. And can we stretch our hands to these generations? 
And I just wanna speak a word over you. I wanna pray for you today. Lord, I thank you for these beautiful generations that are represented in this room. Lord, that they have a depth within them that our generation needs. Lord, that you are not done with them yet. Lord, forgive them if they have benched themselves prematurely today. I call out greatness from every person that is standing, every family that is represented today, God. And I thank you that you are just getting started, that you are nowhere near being finished with the generations that are represented in this room. Lord, if they have grown weary from the years and years of service that they've given to you, would you light a fire underneath them today? Would you reignite something in their lives? Lord, that they would feel like they are in their youthful years again. I prophesy that over you, that you would feel that not just mentally, but you would feel that physically today. That people in this room are receiving healing in the name of Jesus to do the work that God has called you to do. I just feel it in my spirit. Some of you like have arthritis, something with your hands, your back, and it's li quite literally kept you from walking in the things God has called you to do. And I declare that you receive healing today in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you fuel them? Would you put people on their minds, on their hearts to reach out to today? To ask someone for lunch, someone that they need to mentor, someone that they need to pray for. And I thank you that they would be obedient to it in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And I'm gonna invite the young generation, the generation that feels like they're on the field to stand up at this time. You feel like you're on the front lines, you're in the thick of it, you're in battle, and you need some prayer warriors interceding for you. Come on, let's stretch our hands out. Lord, thank you for the generation on the front lines. Lord, we know that the frontline position is not for the faint of heart. Lord, we know that this position, Lord, is a lot to put our hands to. But Lord, I declare conviction over every person in this room. Lord, that they would not forsake their calling for a piece of bread that they wouldn't forsake their birthright for a piece of bread. Some of you in this room have lived wayward lives and have forsaken your calling for things that you regret. And maybe you don't even wanna stand up right now because you feel ashamed. But today, I thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness, that you cover us, that you heal us, that you redeem us, and there is no one too far gone that cannot be used by God today. God has a calling for every person standing up that is represented today. There are practical needs that have to be met. Some of these people are called to do school of ministry. Some of you are called to go into vocational ministry. And some of you are called to be obedient exactly where you're at making disciples exactly where you're at, in your home, with your children, in the place of business that you're in. So Lord, I thank you for a fresh fire. I thank you for energy among these generations. Protect them, Lord. Protect them from the attacks of the enemy. Lord, the Bible talks about the fiery darts that come by day. There are so many attacks on this generation. And Lord, we come against it today in the name of Jesus. And we declare, Lord, that this generation would shine bright for the Lord, that they would be a city on top of a hill that no one can cover, that no one can snuff out in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And with every eye closed and head bowed, we 
just never want to miss an opportunity to introduce Jesus as your Lord and Savior if today you haven't made a decision for Christ. If today you, you say, Pastor Jess, I don't know if I died today, if I would go to heaven or hell. We wanna give you an opportunity to accept Jesus. And so if that is you, I'm just gonna count to three and I would just invite you to lift your hand right up in the air, no shame. One, two, three, all over the room. If you need to give your life to Jesus, the Bible says that now is the time of salvation. You see those hands, beautiful. Church, would you repeat after me? Say, dear Jesus, I accept you in my heart. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I'm turning away from an old life and I'm walking into a brand new life with you. Starting today, it's Jesus first, Jesus always. Amen, church, thank you so much. Can we give the Lord a praise? He's so faithful today. I believe that lives were impacted today. Thank you for the opportunity to get to share with you. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.